Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Historical Humans Podcast. My name's Justin Woods, and I'm joined today by my fellow co-host, Colm Coleman. Gwendolyn Allen was unable to make it with us today, but we actually have a, our first special guest, Nikita Gillespie. Hello. And, <laughs> and today we're kind of jumping into something a little, little bit deeper. We're talking about Juneteenth the latest federal holiday in the United States of America, and not a lot of people know the history behind it, so I think that would be probably the first place we jump off there, Colin. What do you say? Yep, sure thing. So uh, the uh, the celebration of Juneteenth as a federal holiday uh, was only has begun in 2021, so that's just one year ago at the time of this podcast recording. We're coming up on our oh. second time having that holiday. Uh, prior to uh, prior to that, it had been celebrated by the African American community in the United States uh, since the end of the U.S. Civil War in 1865. Huh. That I think that coincides with the end of slavery. If if I'm thinking correctly, you would you you would be correct. Uh, uh, the uh, the history of Juneteenth uh, is directly tied to the uh, history of slavery in that it is. Uh, functionally a celebration of the end of that institution in the United States of America. <clears throat> so slavery, uh, uh, the history of Juneteenth and why it is uh, important uh, has, well, it begins actually in 1862 when the United States military uh, captured the city of New Orleans uh, from, the, uh, from the Confederate soldiers. This is significant because it shifts uh, uh, the central, I guess, home of Juneteenth, where it was first celebrated, into Texas, as many of the uh, slaveholders in the area decided that rather than, uh, you know, be captured or allow their slaves to go free, they would take them and flee into the state of Texas under the rather strange assumption that somehow the United States government did not have authority over the state of Texas, <laughs> despite the state of Texas being a U.S. state since since 1845. See, the thing that I have a question here is, obviously when the Union soldiers came into town, they were fighting over a war of states' rights, right? Oh, wait, no. If the, if the people are running away to... with their slaves to maintain ownership, they're quite literally doing it to preserve that institution. Do, do, do not stay state rights in front of me, man. I went to high school in Virginia. You do not <laughs> want to know how many times I heard that bullshit. Which, that's exactly what it is. Every single state that seceded said so specifically because they want to keep the institution of slavery. It is clear, it is apparent, anyone that tells you otherwise, it is bullshit. Yep. Uh, in... 1863, the slaveholders' worst fears was realized with uh, Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which saw all the slaves within the Confederacy of the United States uh, freed. Uh, this could not be implemented immediately as there was an entire army of angry racist slaveholders between the uh, United States government and the people they were trying to free. So nothing in history has changed. What? <laughs> no, I, it just took him a couple years, damn it. No, War I mean the fact that racist people trying to get in the way are still obstructing government today. 
We're not allowed to talk about that. It's too recent, and the government needs to decide what it's going to do about it. Oh, they're Where starting to air it on TV. <laughs> yes, they are. I thought we always stay in a perpetual gray space between red and blue. Nope. <laughs> that does not happen <laughs> when Justin talks. Hey, this is not a... This is not. I blame everything, including my flaws, on you. You know this. <laughs> yeah, you project everything upon me. I'm just the garbage disposal for all your insecurities and... <laughs> you have openly encouraged this. You have openly encouraged that behavior. Do not start with me. <laughs> anyway. Two years later, United States troops arrive in a place called Galveston, Texas. And on June 19th, these troops announced the Emancipation Proclamation to the citizens of Texas. Uh, this is two months after Robert E. Lee has surrendered in Virginia, officially ending the Civil War, and 17 days after the Confederate Army of Trans-Mississippi, which held Texas against the Union, surrendered. Uh, there was continuous fighting for some time after uh, the official surrender of the Confederacy because, well, you know, Twitter just had really bad connection back then. Yeah, you know, in, in times of war, the connection like breaks up. Non-existent. Also, you know, the fact that the primary mode of transportation was boat and, you know, walking yeah. and and riding a horse. Like, they didn't quite have the internet. You couldn't just DM your, your soldiers and go, hey guys, war's over, go home. Yeah, yeah and... Uh... As it so happened, uh, the Galveston Bay Area was the last place in the United States for the Emancipation Proclamation to take effect. So these were the last Confederate slaves uh, to be freed from uh, from bondage. Uh, the- some 250,000 people uh, freed, you know, quarter of a million. Jeez, so that was not a small or sig- insignificant amount of people. I mean... Um, there were what about three million slaves at the time? Yep, there were three million Confederate slaves, and a quarter of a million uh, managed to evade the Emancipation Proclamation for uh, uh, for two years, uh, thanks to racism. You know, that would be a tragic story in an in and of itself, except for the fact that people didn't quite take to it immediately. Yes, so the uh, major flaw of, uh, of this uh, announcement was that it was made by the uh, U.S. Major General Gordon Granger. Uh, he's a two-star general uh, in the center of Galveston to the people who own the slaves. These people did not do their due diligence and go home that night and tell all the slaves what had happened. Many of them lied. What? For a protracted period of time to get just one last harvest of uh, plantation labor out of them. So you mean they use deceptive and exploitative methods to increase their profit margins? Well, I think uh, a uh, former slave in the Galveston area, uh, Susan Merritt, uh, her testimony sums it up quite nicely. Uh, where she describes a number of slaves who had found out about the proclamation against their master's wishes uh, shot and hung over the river for attempting to leave. Which that was the Sabine River. Yeah, the the Sabine Bottom. Sabine uh, Bottom. Which is sort of a, you know, it's just sort of an expanse of the Sabine River where it's just kind of 
you know, breaks apart, not quite a delta. Yeah, so that's extremely unfortunate. And then by December 6th, the 13th Amendment was ratified by three-fourths of the United States, which... Yeah, this officially ended all slavery anywhere within U.S.-held territory, which now, once again, included the entirety of the United States of America. (laughs) And it reads as follows... Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Yep. Translation, unless you are a convicted criminal, people cannot hold you against your will and tell you what to do. If you guys want to hear us talk about the slavery in prison systems, be sure to leave a comment down below. Because that could be a whole interesting ballpark to dig into. But anyway, we uh, we come now finally uh, to, Ju- uh, to Juneteenth. Uh, in 1866, the first annual celebration of Juneteenth occurs in Texas uh, in the Galveston Bay area, as uh, as it is the ce- as it was the celebration of this last group of uh, slaves uh, finally being freed. Uh, it occurs on June 19th. Uh, as it does uh, today as a federal holiday. Yeah, and then by 1868, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution was adopted on July 9th, and this guaranteed African Americans the right to U.S. citizenship. So even though they had been freed for about three years, and the war had been over for three years, it still took three years for them to receive citizenship. Yeah. Yeah, after this uh after this uh celebrations of Juneteenth uh sort of begin to ramp up in 1872, Emancipation Park is created in the city of Houston. Uh and it was created by a group of African American uh ministers and businessmen who pooled their resources to purchase 10 acres of land to hold the annual Juneteenth celebration on account of, you know, uh the city of Houston really did not like them celebrating uh, their freedom. Uh, the city even went to f- uh, went so far at one point uh, as to ban even the 4th of July and instead celebrate uh, the Confederate president. Oh, good old Jeffy Davis. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the city of Houston was incredibly hostile to the celebration. So they literally bought their own land and had it on that property. Because fun fact, no matter how racist you are after the Civil War, you cannot tell people they can't gather on their own property. (laughs) Especially in the state of Texas. Yeah, it does not work. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, and... With this uh, creation of Emancipation Park, uh, Juneteenth really gains momentum as a cultural phenomenon and begins to really start spreading across the United States uh, throughout the rest of the 19th century as uh, as it just basically begins to take prominence and more and more people are celebrating and, uh, you know, bringing bringing the the idea and the tradition back with them to their hometowns. Uh, uh, Juneteenth uh, does go into decline during uh, the 20th century 
as uh, mandatory public education kicks in, which uh, as it did uh, up through my education, uh, openly refused to acknowledge things like the Emancipation Proclamation or uh, the existence of Juneteenth. <laughs> wow, you mean that some people edit what you learn in history class and aren't always truthful to the events that transpired? Mm-hmm. Shocked Pikachu face. Please don't speak in memes. <laughs> You're not good at it. You're not good at it. No, but seriously, that's that's a really important point to point out there is that happens a lot of times when there's uncomfortable portions of history or that may shed a bad light on some people. They just willfully and kind of diligently just remove it. They wipe it from the history record. Yep. And uh, it, it gets even worse during the Great Depression as... Um, uh, African Americans uh, were discriminated against uh, when they moved into the more urban environments seeking work at, on account of the economic turmoil of the Great Depression. Uh, one of the ways in which they were discriminated against is uh, many of the people running the businesses, uh, white people for the most part, uh, saw Juneteenth as an illegitimate holiday and that July 4th was the only truly American Independence Day and would thus... Uh, refuse any time off on Juneteenth, regardless of any circumstance, uh, because they felt it wasn't, it was unpatriotic to allow the African Americans to, you know, have a celebration of their own freedom. <laughs> yeah, Nikita is slowly getting triggered in the background here. This is why we brought her, <laughs> as we discussed all the horrible things that have been done. <laughs> throughout history so we can get to modern times just for her oh yeah as we go go through this entire painful uh painful nightmare <laughs> um however uh juneteenth does get its revival revival in uh 1968 when reverend ralph abernathy uh organizes the poor people's march to washington dc uh, this event exposed many people to Juneteenth uh, for the first time. It brought it back into the cultural imagination of African-Americans, made it a prominent force again. And when they went home, they brought the tradition with them of, hey, we have something to celebrate, too. And Wait, they began to celebrate. <laughs> I, I, I have a question because, yeah. you know, it, it obviously comes back in 1968 what other major events were happening around the same time that would lead to a revitalization of cultural aspects? That is that is a good point. Uh, it is it is tied with the uh, civil rights movement. Uh, one of the one of the major factors in the revival of the Juneteenth uh, celebrations was the fact that the holiday became tied for a lot of people with the idea of civil rights, and made and its celebration was considered. Uh, an important way to protest oppression and to call for civil rights. Uh, the Poor People's March to Washington, D.C. is one such movement for civil rights. Uh, as you can imagine, a uh, disproportionate number of the people who were poor in America at the time and a disproportionate number of the people who are today are African-American. <laughs> yeah, statistics. Which is so incredibly painful. Yeah. But then you jump ahead another decade or so to 1979 or 1980-ish, which uh, Juneteenth becomes an official state holiday in the state of Texas 
And it's primarily because L. Edwards, who is an African-American state legislator, uh, pushed for the legislation to make Juneteenth a state holiday. Yep. Yeah, he pushed for it. And then uh, over the next, uh, I guess it would be 40 years, uh, 42 states and the District of Columbia would, independent of the federal government, recognize Juneteenth as a state holiday. Uh, so it did. It, it has. Uh, it has had legitimacy uh, for some time, at least on the state level, uh, as recognition from the government, at least as far as that goes. Yeah, uh, which, it, had, it had that legitimacy before becoming a federal holiday. And on top of that, a lot of museums and other historical institutions, like the Smithsonian, the Henry Ford Museum, uh, they host specific Juneteenth exhibits to kind of highlight this holiday and to bring light to it, which I think is really interesting because obviously museums are phenomenal institutions and go support your local museums. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's going to bring us uh, up to today as uh, in 2021, the uh, uh, Juneteenth was signed as a federal holiday uh, by U.S. President Joe Biden. On the seventeenth of June, uh, just two days before the celebration was uh, would commence, and additionally, the city of Galveston uh, commissioned a five thousand square foot mural titled "The Absolute Equality Mural" on the spot where General Granger read the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, officially freeing the last of the Confederate-held slaves, and the root of this uh, entire holiday, really. <laughs> So that's actually, that actually finally brings us up to real time. Yay. <laughs> and now we have concluded the historical portion of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's what you think, because uh, I've got a whole host of other dates that people proposed for uh, for this holiday that did not stick. There was a lot of competition. I mean, you could also talk about the different names that Juneteenth goes by, like uh, Juneteenth National Independence Day. Yep. Emancipation Day, that's a good one. Freedom Day, that's very American, very patriotic. Jubilee Day, kind of kind of homage to the Queen, God save her. Uh, Black and, uh, Independence Jubilee Day. refers, to, refers to the amount of time it took between the founding of the United States of America and the actual freedom of the slaves. <laughs> I know, I'm being goofy. Um, yeah. I June, will correct you. <laughs> Juneteenth Independence Day or Second Independence Day? Ah, uh, yes, yeah, Second Independence Day. We are now hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> we had our first independence. See, the issue with that is would you celebrate Juneteenth first or would you celebrate July 4th first? Or are you, like, celebrating them in different year spans? You are, you are celebrating the order in which they became holidays. <laughs> okay, so, like... The July 4th was Independence Day, and it's... You know, it's referring to a date in 1776, and Juneteenth is referring to a date in 1865. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, as we were saying, uh, there are a couple other dates, too, to go with this uh, that uh, were proposed. Uh, none of them had the clout or uh, continued grassroots support to become a uh to become the holiday uh that juneteenth uh ultimately won out for 
Uh, the first is January 1st. Because oh, that, that was the day the Emancipation Proclamation took effect. Or the problem Jan with this is it's is it's the day uh, you know it's the day after New Year's and uh, it's the day that the U.S. government really likes to activate legislation on. <laughs> well, or you could skip ahead to the end of the month if the beginning doesn't work. You could go January thirty first because that's the day the Thirteenth Amendment was was passed in Congress in eighteen sixty five. Uh, there was also April 3rd, which was the day the capital of the Confederacy fell, which, well, it is a very big uh, moment uh, for the end of slavery in the United States. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have the typical resonance of of Juneteenth being the day the last of the of the slaves were officially freed. But what about April 9th, then? Go the day that Robert E. Lee surrendered. Uh, was sort of the same deal with a lot of them is just, you know, it just doesn't have the finality to it because there's still lingering forces that continue to fight for slavery and continue to hold on to slaves up until uh, Juneteenth finally uh, is able to put its boot down on on all the slavery. It's the, uh, it's the same reason why, like, April 16th, when slavery was abolished in the capital doesn't work because half the country was in revolution trying to continue to enslave people. <laughs> the uh, With uh, the day Robert E. Lee surrendered, uh, the Trans-Mississippi Army continued to fight for another month and a half uh, for the right to hold the uh, state of Texas as a slave state. <laughs> yeah. And then they we also a have May 1st, which was the day that... Uh, Former slaves in Charleston, South Carolina, gave Union uh, soldiers, uh, dead soldiers, a proper burial at the site um, of the fallen planter elite's race course. Yeah, they, they basically dug up a uh, uh, the, the rich slaveholders race course track uh, to bury all the fallen soldiers, hmm. which uh, I think is a nice way to make sure you never get to have your nice shiny thing ever again. Because <laughs> there's literally thousands of dead patriots buried there. Good <laughs> use of the word patriots. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. This day uh, was uh, actually became known as Decoration Day, uh, which uh, was the precursor to what we now know as Memorial Day. Uh, this was the original Memorial Day uh, in 1971. It was moved to its modern date uh, by an act of Congress uh, to just be congress <laughs> uh, i couldn't really find a reason why they wanted to change the date so bad they just sort of did <laughs> uh, um it was thought of also that july 4th uh the you know american independence day you know just tack the holiday on as a part of that but that got shot down pretty quickly on account of the fact that the Independence Day for the United States of America did not actually mean freedom for everyone in America. <laughs> and it's, you know, sort of a nice little, you know, just white people sweeping it under the rug bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good way to whitewash the holiday, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the final two dates that were proposed uh, over the course of the, you know, 100-plus year history of the holiday uh, were September 22nd, which is the day... Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, not the day it went into effect, but the day he, you know, spelled out what he was about to do. Um, that fell apart on account of the fact that 
it didn't take effect that day. You know, it was sort of just, you know, celebrating empty words since, you know, I say you will all be free. Doesn't actually mean anyone is free. <laughs> and people were not free for a considerable period of time afterward. <laughs> and it, if you don't think three years is considerable, you do not know what you are talking about. <laughs> to be fair, though, like, not to justify it by any means, but they were fighting a war, and they were actively attempting to achieve that result. Yeah. It's just when you have a large armed faction, yeah. it's a little hard to enforce. Yeah. And additionally, too, even if even if there had been no Confederate states, and this was just a law that had been passed, it still didn't go into effect until the 1st of January, so that's several months of... Uh, of time between saying we're going to do something and then actually doing it. Oh, beautiful bureaucracy. Never change. Yeah. Uh, and the last day was December 6th, which was the day the 13th Amendment was ratified by a, a three-quarter majority of the states, making it an official amendment of the U.S. Constitution and uh, officially banning the existence of slavery from ever happening in the United States of America ever again. Unless you're in jail. That's not slavery. That's called convicted criminals. There is a difference. They expressly lay out that difference in the amendments. <laughs> so now, jumping to modern days... We come to modern day again. So, what do you think about the holiday, Nikita? Yeah, what are your thoughts? Everything we've been talking about. Jump in. Come on, you've been like... You've been you've been trying so hard not to not to just jump I in just on all the horrible things. Y'all, we've I wanted to let y'all get all the facts out. You you've done your <laughs> research. You did very good work. Wanted to let you do all that first. Um, I would first like to tear through these dates myself really quick. <laughs> yeah, go um, for it. <laughs> first off, I do agree with you that January first, New Year's, um, definitely not the day. Plus. Again, there were a lot of places that were, you know, they were still holding slaves. Um, I would also like to point out that trying to celebrate it on the day that the 13th Amendment was ratified or ran into effect is a little bit of a like, yeah, let's celebrate the day that the government acknowledged us as people. Because, you know, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, this is just one thing to have, like, oh, the day we stopped being slaves. Yes. The day that the government finally say, hey, you get to be a citizen. Like, no, maybe not those dates. <laughs> um, and then actually, one of the things I was going to talk about, um, the September 22nd, the day Lincoln issued the preliminary emancipation proclamation. Uh, there's actually like a lot of controversy around that because the, according to some people um, in some sources like history.com, the first emancipation proclamation like the first one he actually wrote up and was like pitching to everyone in the room it didn't actually like say everywhere it excluded some states some border states that and basically saying that like oh it's going to be free in these select um places so that was one problem with it and another thing is the fact that like even then it was also kind of buried underneath the political move because a lot of abraham lincoln's office was advising him like maybe wait until we get another victory or two before even trying to say anything about freeing the slaves so it was just like okay <laughs> like, that gets buried in a lot of like controversy so um when you're talking about like the emancipation proclamation itself so yeah definitely not that date either and then not may 1st because that's my birthday and that was so weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to be fair oh, yeah. 
Juneteenth um, with weekends now falls on my birthday. My birthday is June twentieth, so the celebration of the day will fall on there. Yeah, I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I was very happy <laughs> when Juneteenth became a holiday because now it means if I don't get my birthday off, I'll either get the day before or after off, and that's okay by me. You're an adult. You should be okay with not celebrating your birthday on the day of your birthday by now. <laughs> just a guaranteed day off work? I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Just look at late December over here. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, no, no. It's I'm cold. Sorry. It's dreary. I could have a barbecue. Is more important I like than the cold. cold. I'm trapped between everyone else's religious holidays. New Year's is also more important than you. <laughs> <laughs> um... But, yeah, I would also, like, a lot, there's a lot of things around Juneteenth that I find very interesting. I love that it is now an official, like, holiday on the calendar. Um, I actually saw that on the uh, veterans calendar for this year that's hanging up at my, in one of the rooms at my job. Uh, it is one of the days that the flag should fly. It, Juneteenth is, a, is an official raise the flag day, so that's, that's cute. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep. It only took 150 like, like, right, right, Just knowing how a lot of people in the African American community, or I should say black community, because that's also a controversial uh, topic, but <laughs> a lot of people in the black community, as knowing how we feel about the flag, I don't think anyone's going to be totally excited to raise the flag on Juneteenth, unless you're that patriotic, unless you really do identify as an american and with american values you're not really going uh, like if you are a veteran if you are a black veteran i could see you flying the flag on juneteenth but any other person especially with you know everything with kaepernick and um just knowing how like some people feel about patriotism um no i don't think anyone's really going to fly the flag on that day yeah i think the idea of the mandate of you know flying the flag is less about how uh, the African-American community feels about the American government and more the American government trying to make the statement of we stand with you now, you know, 156 years after the facts. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it's you like know, the yay. government like, equivalent someone, of like, we cool, we cool. It's like someone <laughs> better late than never way too seriously. Oh, <laughs> but um, it, Oh, uh, sorry. I was just going to add real quick, like, it, even though it does very much feel like uh, better or too a little too late, too little too late, it is kind of it's important to just note that it's signifying the importance of this event. And it is very validating to a lot of the black community because it is like uh, an acknowledgement of sorts. I know it's not it's definitely not enough, but it is a good start in that correct direction. I think I think the biggest part of this, and I'll let you uh, I'll let you go right after. Just see the biggest part of this is that it is the U.S. government acknowledging the legitimacy of this holiday. And if there's one community that knows exactly how hard it is to get the U.S. government to acknowledge your legitimacy, it is the black community. <laughs> I know, but it's like I will definitely say that like I recognize the effort. I do, and it's not me always like I don't always want to tear down the efforts that um anyone outside of the black community or the government tries to make it's one of those things where like that distrust is so embedded um especially specifically towards the government 
that it's almost like a natural thing. It's almost like second nature to just be like, mm, like, are you really making an effort? Is this just, you know, some like small move? You see what I'm saying? It's like always like a question. Like, for example, um, recently Walmart decided to release a Juneteenth ice cream. And there's oh. been a lot of backlash, a lot of like, so like a lot of social media backlash. And there's also some people saying that, like, not only does it taste terrible, but this is obviously an insult because you are trying to commercialize and capitalize on a holiday. Right. So, like, there's moves like that. Like, that isn't entirely, like, you know, tied to the government, but it is stuff like that, like with corporations or any, like, bigger representing body trying to, like, make that connection where you're just like, I, do I trust this or no? Oh, yeah, with this is the meme. Uh, it's the memes this year with uh, Juneteenth, you know, following you know in Pride Month, like it always yeah. will and always has. The all the memes of the corporations have realizing they have to respect <laughs> both black people and the LGBTQ community at the same time. My favorite <laughs> part about that though is their marketing shot themselves in the foot, arm, and face at the same time because they're like, we're going to make everything rainbow, but then in solidarity with the black community, we're going to do black and white products. So it's just like this unintended homophobia associated with celebrating the black community. It's a black and white product, but it's just a two-flavor cosmopolitan where the black and the white are perfectly segregated. Shit I see. The shit I see is bad ideas that should never have been made. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's definitely, like, I really hope that was a meme I saw. That I, um, noticed. Uh, especially, like, within myself, too, where, again, it's not that you don't want to recognize the effort that's being put in. It's just sometimes you definitely question the intention behind the effort. So oh, for sure. The, with the calendar, anything that the government tries to do, the ice cream. <laughs> you yeah. question, it's like, what was, what were you thinking when you presented us with this? Was it, was there good intention? Was there bad intention? Like, was this just to increase profit margin? Are you actually making a legitimate effort to, you know, make up for the years of like ignorance and neglect? So. Oh, come on, Nikita. When has anyone ever done a token gesture and just stopped at that? <laughs> or, you know, the fact that the token gesture the ends on July 1st. It's like July 1st, Gay Pride Month over. We are back to... Everything's no longer rainbows and... Look, look, it's like it's like putting out the Pride merch and then donating to the conversion camps in Indiana. Oh. Things actual corporations have done, everybody. It's also why I refuse to eat a Chick-fil-A. I Chick refuse to eat a Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A doesn't have the hypocrisy behind it. They acknowledge they're evil. <laughs> yeah, if well, only their chicken wasn't so damn good. I also definitely do not eat from Chick-fil-A, being a part of the LGBTQ community myself. Um, I appreciate the honesty. Like, no, they openly say they hate you. They're not like Disney, where they just give money to people and quietly to destroy your oh, no, lives. No, 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 They don't. The corporation, yes. So, like, it's, it's weird with Chick-fil-A, actually. They kind of, like, have... So, if you are the manager of a specific location, they won't discriminate against you. However, however, if you present yourself too honestly they don't have choice right like it's just one of those mm. it's one of those like hey hey i as the proprietor of this location 
don't judge you. However, you cannot come in here looking like the thing that you are. So, right? Like, or else I have to, like, they're going to make me fire you if you do yeah. that. that. That's kind of like the controversy behind yeah. it. Because the people who created Chick-fil-A are homophobic. So it's one of those things like, hey, 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 I understand you need a job. And I have no problem with the LGBT community. In fact, I'm a part of it myself. However, we can't look the part or else we all in trouble. Like, that's basically what it is. And it's so messed up. It's such an honest evil at the corporate level, though. Like, they're (laughs) openly admitting what they are, as opposed to so many others that will put the rainbow on everything for one month and then, you know, give, you know, millions of dollars to, you know, eradicate people from the face of the earth. (laughs) But see, now we're talking about the capitalizing on the LGBTQ um, yeah. month. There's also yeah. there's the commercialization of the of Juneteenth yeah. that I just really do not like. Like, not even just yes. With, let's get back um, to exploiting black people. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like how do we how do we make people think we're hip and we're cool? Because here's the thing, though. At no point do I. This is again where I'm talking about the intention when people do stuff. When you start to like try and promote products that are like directly related to certain holidays like Juneteenth who are you really marking that towards because it's definitely not us you might try to make it seem like it's us but in all actuality what you're trying to market towards is the other people who also want to look like they are like you know you know with the group so like you know other white people who are probably trying to be more culturally conscious would buy this stuff to seem more culturally conscious do you know how many times I walk through this neighborhood and I see a lot of Black Lives Matter flags and I'm like, yes, and nine out of ten, there's actually not a black person living there. Do I hate that? No. I love the fact that there are other people who are willing to acknowledge and celebrate our holiday, not that it's their holiday, but at the same time, like, you acknowledge it, that it exists and that it is rightfully ours. You acknowledge the fact that Black Lives Matter. However, like, it's just, again, that idea of, like, why are you doing that? Is I... It- I the part, or are you actually the part? I feel really uncomfortable about that that kind of stuff personally. As a white male, like I identify myself as an ally to both the Black Lives Matters movements and the LGBT community, but I don't feel comfortable advertising that because there's a long, long history of white males like adopting and basically bastardizing these holidays whether it is for exploitative reasons of profit and uh, margins or whether it's just a suppression of the holiday in itself like i will actively celebrate it but i don't feel comfortable being the flag bearer because i shouldn't be the face of the community i should be a supporting voice from the background yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, i'm just waiting for the moment when uh especially since this is you know the second year that's been a federal ho- that Juneteenth has been a federal holiday, and you know now there's time for all the corporations to get involved. I'm waiting for the major fuck up that is the uh, that is the Juneteenth uh, celebration jamboree pic- picnic with fried chicken and watermelon as the only uh, as the only foods available because I guarantee you someone Ooh. somewhere is going to approve that. <laughs> no, 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 no! It's going to be the Juneteenth sale where you get discounts on those foods at your local grocery store, like you do for July 4th, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah I could yeah, just see it right now. July 4th, you do it on Memorial Day. Certain foods go on sale because you know people are gonna buy that for the cookout. So now they're trying to anticipate, listen, we got, like butchers are gonna have a freaking field day. Wait, sorry, we don't have cookouts, we have barbecues. There's exactly. a distinction. 
<laughs> listen, listen. I don't, I've never called it a cookout in my life. It's always been a barbecue, but I apparently that is a thing that people call it like a, I've been invited to the cookout. I've been like invited to the cookout. Thing. I feel like that's a southern thing. I think yeah. up here we call them barbecues. Down there they call it cookouts more often. But southern people. cookouts, they. Mm. Oh, don't you don't have to tell me. I got family from Georgia. <laughs> I got some family from Mississippi. <laughs> I got the Tennessee Alabama. hookup. <laughs> Look, I, I I go to those things and I wonder, like, how many cows did you kill to get these ribs? As there's just a million. Yeah, like just a war, like treasure chest of, <laughs> of just ribs and slabs of meat and just like barbecue. A Flintstone cartoon, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> urban girl we 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 buy our stuff from the local moon oink in chicago with our link card okay that is how you supply the easter dinner okay (laughs) but um but still no uh i actually am surprised though like it's only been a federal holiday for like two days right two years (laughs) two years um but not a lot of people in the black community know about it either um and a couple other things too. So the emancipation, the emancipation proclamation and the Civil War. I've always thought it to be like I've never even heard about the states' right thing. We always thought it was primarily about slavery and only about slavery. I in the Deep South, that was an argument that the South was even trying to. So make. that that goes back to the 19th century. It's called the Lost Cause, and basically it was a it's way. A for, well, yeah, it's a myth, but basically. A lot of the children and grandchildren of Confederate veterans, one of the ways they tried to keep the memory alive and tried to honor them was they tried changing the narrative. And this was early 1900s. So they began erecting a lot of Civil War monuments, like the ones you saw that were taken down post-Charlottesville. And there was this whole misconception and myth that the states seceded and wanted to fight for states' rights, not for slavery, that was just part of the state's rights. Like they could choose to do that, but that completely ignores and glosses over the fact that they explicitly state in their letters of secession that they are seceding purely to maintain the system of slavery. Like it is a myth, but they teach it in public schools. They teach it in the school systems in the deep South that it was about state's rights. They don't, they completely gloss over the slavery part of it. You don't even have to go to the deep South. You just have to cross the border between the people who fought for the Confederacy and the people who fought for the union. So the Mason Dixon line got it. It's it's like it's in Virginia. And I was North of the Rappahannock, which the Virginians themselves considered the North. And I still heard about this shit. Like, seriously, I did not even know that states' rights was an argument being made until I came to college. And I was like, or even just on the Internet where there's people saying, like, states' rights. I was like, who, what, who taught you that? Like, that was never a focus. We never talked about, we talked about the fact that this was about slavery. The South was wrong. The North was right. You know, that was it. Like, support blue. Where that was it. That was that was the whole the whole thing. Where my family is from in Tennessee, not more than like twenty miles away, is a huge um, Civil War battleground. But then there's also a state park named after Ned uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest. And the whole fact that there's a state park named after a Confederate general who had an extremely infamous post-military career. 
Can anyone guess what his claim to fame is? I'm going to assume going around killing a bunch of black people. What organization does that, though? Oh, the KKK. Did he create the KKK? I don't remember these people's names. I don't ding, care. Ding, 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 they're ding. not worthy of remembrance. The KKK exists and it should not exist. That is what I know. That is, that is where that, that's... Like, I know some of the, like, positions that can be held in the KKK because of an economics book that I read a long time back. <laughs> But other than that, Gary is the grand wizard. How much money right, should Gary like, make? That, I know that there are some black people who have infiltrated the KKK and exposed them. Like I know interesting facts about that stuff, but I do not care to remember these people's names because they're not worth remembering, in my opinion. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I, that might be. A, I'm sorry, their names are not worth remembering. Whoever created the KKK, but to this so day, wrong. why would I want to remember you? To this day, that park remains named after Forrest. And it's just, it's such a slap in the face, especially when you consider just the large percentage of people in Tennessee are of African-American descent and were descendant of the slave communities. I mean, for Christ's sake, one of the reasons why Memphis has as many African-Americans as it does is it was a major slave trading port on the Mississippi River. Yep. yep. Oh, speaking of people who can't let the past die... Uh, do you want to know a little fun fact I came across doing all this stuff? Uh, my bottomless barrel of facts. Uh, it's a bonus fact. Oh, we love your um, bottomless barrel at the of end facts. At the end of the Civil War, a number of slave uh, holders uh, took their slaves out of America to prevent them from being freed and sailed them to the only place in the, uh, in the uh, Western Hemisphere that still had uh, legal slavery laws. Oh, Brazil. Yeah, I, was I was gonna say, say I was like Brazil. And they and there they founded the city of Americana, where to this day they hold Confederate celebrations annually to honor their ancestors who bravely traveled thousands of miles to set up a new home in a distant climate for the exploitation of other human beings. We it's pretty divorced from the racism today. today, but it's still a horrible horrible transition it's also just kind of interesting too it seems like that part of the world is a really good place if you fuck up back home to just kind of avoid things because i mean justin that's the creation of their entire country the king of portugal fucked up so bad back home he fled to brazil and made it a country <laughs> that's the yeah. origin of brazil yeah but my my brazilian german grandfather would argue it i, I i'm joking you but argentinian I, I know, but I'm making the joke that Brazil also has a large exclave of former Nazi uh, descendants. Yeah, you went to visit him, but your your visa was protested by the Shoah Foundation. Thank you. <laughs> so, oh. my, um, and this is where I love, like, because this all coincides with one thing that I've been thinking about. Um, something that I find interesting is there, like, well, it's not even interesting. It's, it's a fact, it's a thing, and it's actually really sad, but there's a lot of people in the black community that know nothing about black history, such as I have black friends where I have to argue the fact that like, there was slavery in Brazil, that Brazil was the first place to actually receive slaves, and they have the most slaves. We did. They have more slaves than us. That I say us, but see, that's what I'm talking about, that... That, like, well, Nikita, I think everyone had more slaves than your ancestors. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. I, like I am so getting canceled. <laughs> you, you shouldn't be striving for this. You're not Ricky Gervais. 
but still it's just a lot of people in the black community do not know about stuff like this like slavery existing in brazil the fact that they had more slaves than us the fact that juneteenth is a holiday why it's a holiday what the, the everything behind the holiday there are some people who probably think juneteenth is celebrating the emancipation proclamation because they have been given a very like general idea of what it is because it's still so new um and i um for example personally if I was to go talk to anyone from my dad's side about Juneteenth, most of them would say that they do celebrate. They would probably be very well educated in what it is about and what you would do for the holiday. My father would probably give me a three hour lecture on it and why I need to be more proud as a black person and a whole other thing. Right. Versus my mom's side where they either wouldn't know what Juneteenth is, wouldn't really know what it was about or what it was for. They would claim it simply because it was like, like there's a trend that I see with a lot of people in the black community where like the second that we find out a new thing about ourselves, we latch on really quick. Of course we want to, but we might not even have all the facts straight and we don't care because it's just another like, oh, it makes us feel a little bit more like complete because not everybody gets to really, you know, use that pointer finger and like show a part of their history. But I think that's a very... That's a very important point, though, to latch on to right there, because that happens a lot with disenfranchised communities, communities that lost a lot of their cultural identity and cultural heritage is you go through this reclamation period where you start claiming things and you start working to rebuild that cultural identity and shaping it in with your own like modern flair. This is a, a it's a cultural phenomenon, but it's something that's begin beginning to become deeper entrenched within those communities and it's a reclamation of that history and acknowledgement of that past and honestly i i fully support these kinds of movements because i think it's really important for each community to have these these moments of acknowledgement of of cultural identity of inclusion of basically saying like this tragedy happened, but here's a way in which we can move forward in a positive manner. And I would like to uh, take a moment real quick to clarify for uh, our audience listening here uh, that lost in this context does not mean misplaced by the community in question, but rather actively destroyed by other people. <laughs> as uh, as uh, there is, you know, they didn't, you know, lose it like you lost your car keys. Uh <laughs> They lost it the same way, you know, someone, you know, throwing a brick through your window loses your window. (laughs) Yeah, forced appropriation, uh, loss of language, loss of of their original names. Like, it's why a lot of former slaves don't have their traditional names. They, a lot of times, actually have the names of their previous, like, patrilineal owners. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there, Listen, it, it, there's a reason that there is a gillespie illinois okay <laughs> remember yeah. like you know it took the north a while to realize that it was wrong too that's why they they were like you know what maybe we should actually fight about this yeah yeah but uh, it's something that a lot of white people and a lot of politicians try to claim like we should move on from it it's a divisive topic it's this they'll come up with any number of reason to not celebrate it or to not claim its importance or to just actively fight against teaching it. And it's that whole idea of just washing that away, of changing that. But then you do have the descendants who wear 
the name of their former repressor and it's to the communities who it who it's important to they can't shake that history away they can't pretend like it never existed to them that's a cultural trauma that has persisted additionally people tend to identify with their names uh I don't know anyone that is going to respond positively to being told their name is wrong and they need to change it, regardless of how they came to acquire said name. That is your name. You have claimed it now. <laughs> you know, wield where it came from as a weapon, not, you know, not a sh it's not, not something to be ashamed of. <laughs> That's my two cents. Um, especially because when my father kind of, like, explained some of the history behind our last name and anytime I go to visit them um, in like the southern part of Illinois and he kind of explains like the layout of everything and how just like you can actually like tell because I asked I like made a complaint it was a very general complaint I was just like oh yeah you know I really hate coming further south because it gets more and more spread out and he was like well of course because while they urbanized all the city during you know the like that big boom of industrialization there's a lot of places that used to be like old plantations and slave land that like while all that went away that doesn't mean that they really did anything with the land so there's all this really like spaced out places in certain parts of like other states that used to be plantation land that no one really did anything with and he'll go into a whole like history about that and i always find that very interesting as well so and it's just like learning about the history though like does it make me like ashamed or like hate like anything about like my name no because at the end of the day for me that just means like that's my way of identifying with my father um but as far as the history like if anything i like to be able to know it because again that's better than not knowing right before he says anything i knew nothing right he could be he, it could be his own story it could not be entirely true i could go fact check it you know, now that I have the ability to do that <laughs> with the degree I have, but <laughs> at the same time, it's still still better than knowing nothing. Having some history to like be able to like go off of, recall to, um, regarding your name or the history of your family is always better than like still sitting here like, no, I can't answer that question because I don't know. Yeah. Like, I hate people who can go on Ancestry.com and actually just put in all these names. Like, oh, I know these people. I know my great-great-great-grandfather. I'm just like, I don't even know who my great-grandfather is on one side of my family. Like, what? I don't know half of these names. I cannot trace them back to anything. So. Yeah, and then on the flip side, I went through and someone had filled out the majority of my family tree so where I could trace it back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And it's just there's a huge separation between the two and it's it's quite honestly just a shame right and a lot of it does have to do with slavery because most of those people died before they can really they right they, like they are not officially on the record for anything they were just a body at the time and that happened for a very long time and there are a lot of other people who again get wiped from the record even after like citizenship was a thing even during the civil rights movement, like people are still getting like erased from history as much as possible to the point where there is no record. You would have to find like first person documents, which we know are hard to find. So like, it's right, so, like, impossible to really be able to trace yourself back. 
Yeah. It's, let's, find, it's, let's find first person documents for people who were legally not allowed to read and write. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's well, do diary that. Pages hey, that, that's getting into a different debate. We already had our episode about oral traditions. We know that they're valid histories. Yes. But it's also not a first person document in the sense of what we are looking uh, what we are looking for here as evidence no right, but we like need birth certificates man uh, the, social security the, numbers something the, the, def the definition of evidence as accepted by uh things like the u.s government is much different than things that could be used to tell the truth <laughs> i do i really wish i knew the details of it but i know that there have been accounts of people who have managed to trace their lineage as far back as the ship that their family came over from, but not being able to go much further because on the other end of the uh, of the voyage, there's not written record that they can refer to either. Right. Yep. There's also the lovely trend uh, from uh, like 30-some years ago where it is uh, everyone came over on the Mayflower. Uh Everyone was on the Mayflower, and everyone was ascended from a Cherokee princess. We and all you know count how many things are wrong with those statements. <laughs> you know, uh, the like only a, thing the Mayflower brought like, was smallpox. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. It brought a bunch of dead pilgrims. <laughs> why don't you just chuck them overseas? Just bloop. But this is also why a lot of people have a problem with that, like, go back to where you came from argument that, like, will come up for, like, black um, black people, like, way back. I think they used to do that a lot then, but, like, it's, how it's even prevalent now, I do not understand. <laughs> but people will say, go back to where you came. I think it started with, um, fine, uh, about Obama and, you know, everyone really wanted to dig into his background that a lot of people were like, well, who else is, like, you know, probably mixed with something that is from another country and it's just like oh go back to your country go back to where you came from i don't know where i came from thank you very much last time i checked i came from here um and i not that i'm very proud of that either i wish like if i could learn a new language right now and go over there i would i honest i don't care i like this is i the fear and the anxiety that I am riddled with on a day-to-day -day basis just from having to be in this country. Yeah, no, I would love to leave. I really would. There's so many, like, part of the reason I started learning French, I would rather live in Europe <laughs> at this point. I do Even find with, it's... I know this, that's, a hot, that's a hot take right now. I still would rather live in Europe right about now. I do I think it's very interesting, though, Nikita, kind of on your point there of, like, not having a place to go back to, because a good, a lot of the portion of the United States have ancestors that could, they could trace back maybe two or three generations at most to an origin or to a home country. And uh, the, this, a lot of black people don't have that direct connection. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I know my case is a little different. I know the general origins of my family, but we've been here since the 1600s. Like, I don't really have that home country that I could default back to either. So, like, I kind of understand that regard. But it's still, it's... It's different. It's a different situation. Right. It's like, because again, it's also the idea of like also being able to culturally identify with that as well. Like, that's also very different for a lot of people. Like, okay, you might have been born in America. You grew up in America. English is your first language. But if you have some German or French or, you know, some Euro white European ancestor, 
you can at least feel some sort of connection with that. And you could probably even go there for, you know, your work study or <laughs> just for as a family trip. And it's just like, well, we know we have these ancestors, so we're going to go there and vacation for like a week or, you know, maybe a month or something. And then you come back and you tell all these wonderful stories. I very rarely, not saying that it doesn't happen. There are people who can do it. Um, there's actually some um, services and other like resources that people can reach out to where they will they will supply these um, like you know long ancestral journey trips for African American or Black people. If you can, but some of them it's, it's very like finicky. Like you have to know enough for it to happen. Like you can't know nothing and then try to go. Like you got to know something. But again, very rarely could you be able to do that and then be like, let's go take a fun trip to Africa and go like look down through our roots. There are so many reasons, like, let me just go through it. First off, the fact that as like a community, as a minority, you are already so disenfranchised financially that just even like contemplating, like boarding that trip is enough to make you go, no, it's not gonna happen. Secondly, again, you already don't have enough of the resources to really be able to like go down through that whole entire thing. You're, you're either not going to trust or be able to afford a 23andMe or anything like that. Um, and most of your family also does not have the information you're looking for. So in just so many different ways, like does the idea of f figuring it out and going to like on that physical, like actual, like go there to that location, like journey through your roots is, it feels impossible. You don't know the language. No one's ever taught you the language. Some of these languages are very select. You're not gonna find this on Rosetta Stone. Like everything that makes it possible for someone else to be able to do that, it makes it less possible for anyone within the black community to do that. And that is frustrating. I can take a French class that is going to maybe make up 13% of some of the languages in Africa. Just because I know French does not mean I'm going to know the whole entire African language of this one village because French people had took over it during the race to Africa. Like exactly that, that. Yeah. So it's yeah. all really messed up. Yeah. And speaking just with French too, uh, French is one of those languages where you really have to make sure you are learning the dialect of the area because it does it does not translate well from one section to another just just look at parisian versus quebec and french and it's like what are you to, you know, to like, be fair french is a very diffused language <laughs> quebecois are effectively speaking like 1500s french 1600s french i know specifically it's the 17th century where most of the population happened but like it's an old french it's like if someone came up to you and started speaking old in english and you would like Shakespearean, you would understand them, but you're gonna go, "Why the hell is he talking that way?" But just Fr French itself is very diffused. The French cool. that's spoken in different parts of Africa, in in the various parts of the United States, in Quebec, all these different Frenches are very, uh, like, it's it's they're it's a very dialected language at this point. <laughs> do do we do we brush upon Creoles then? Creolized languages. And see, that's another thing. Also, the fact that, like, uh, uh, another um, another point is the fact that, again, a lot of people always think that if you were to try and trace somebody's roots, it's immediately going to go to Africa if they're black, right? That's also another misconception because I think I've had my family definitely say that we actually do have some Haitian roots. 
that is not in Africa, right? Like, there's, like, way, there's so many more countries that are, are not in Africa that also have dark-skinned people that you would probably define as black, right? So, like Tongans. Yeah. That's not in Africa. <laughs> so, I, I, I've had this conversation with one of my coworkers who is a Caribbean uh, black person, and she identifies as black because it is that same i guess we'll just dive right into that that subtopic because you can be black and not be african yes i had an experience in my undergrad that stands out to me to this day we were in a large lecture hall and it was like onboarding and they're basically like to show diversity everyone who's right-handed raise your hand everyone who's left-handed raise your hand we've had this conversation yeah and the But for the podcast, they basically said, okay, now if you're African-American, raise your hand. And a couple of kids didn't raise their hands. And the presenter actually called them out on it like, hey, why didn't you raise your hand? You're clearly African-American. And one of the kids was a foreign exchange student. was like, I'm not American. I'm just African. And another kid was like, I'm black. I'm not African. I'm just, I'm black. Which is why I corrected myself at the beginning of my channel. <laughs> but I was like, oh, wait, that's also a hot take. Um, there are many people who do not identify as African-American, identify as black and vice versa. There are people who are from Africa or a like, you know, second, third generation um, African descendant who was born in America that will identify as African-American. There are black people born in America who will identify as African-American. Or maybe it's just for the sake of the documents, you know, le- the legality of just bureauc- bureaucratic paperwork. So, um, but still, it's just like that is also an idea. And I think on many occasions, if someone was to ask me, I would definitely say black. I wouldn't say African-American straight out. Um, I think I use the term African-American in more formal settings um, or depending on who I'm talking to or what I'm talking about. But initially I would definitely say black, but there's also a lot of things that come with that, that I've always like questioned. Um, One example being like, okay, for example, I live in, like when I was still living in Chicago, after we had moved, we live in an area where there's more African, um, like African Americans, African people who have moved here to America. who like pretty much stay with most of their family members and everything. And you can actually tell that there's a lot of tension between the African community and the black community, right? Even just being a black person going to a hair salon where most of the people who work there are probably of African descent or, or directly African, came straight from Africa. And a lot of, there, you feel the tension. Cause again, there's a, I wouldn't say a language barrier, but the idea that like, you immediately are now excluded right we are not we are not in the same sphere anymore i am in a bubble and you guys are talking in another language around me and does that mean like hey speak english no i'm not going to do that obviously it's the fact that like this is different than if i went to a salon that was primarily black american women and then it would be that that sense of community and you would be talking and you would be gossiping and they would ask you questions no, I am now being excluded. Like, they are not talking to me. They are talking to each other. This is their space, not mine, right? I am a guest in their space, 
there's a lot of their family members coming in. They probably have like, they're like, there are men coming in that aren't doing anything but sitting there and drinking and conversing with them. Okay. <laughs> this is their family. They came here to hang out. You are a client. You need to just not talk at all. Okay. Sit there, eat your Subway sandwich, get your hair done. Shush. Right. Wait, are you eating while they're? Sometimes, yes. Listen, if you are getting braids done, that's going to take maybe five, seven hours. You're not going to sit there the whole time and not eat anything. Okay? Maybe it's some chips. <laughs> but if you are there for, like, you might want to eat some sustenance. Okay? I, I've had some people order me Chinese food before. <laughs> to be fair, I think I would just go there with a bag of popcorn while the braids are getting done. Because just listening to the gossip, listening to the drama. If you understand it. Like, you, <laughs> you don't. Like, I had you don't the, need to understand it. You just need to stare unblinkingly. Now, I yes. told you, I did study French, and there are some African languages that do have French in them. So sometimes I can pick up some words here and there. Be like, that sounds like this word. Maybe it's like a derivative. Like, right? I should be sitting there, like, actually, like, trying to figure out what they're saying um, with what I have before me. Sometimes you just go off of the tone and the body language. Like, sometimes it's really, like, trying to watch a conversation that you do not understand is very interesting. Um, but we're, that's not what we're getting into. It's just the idea that like there is that disconnect though when you are in when you enter another uh, like a space that is different from yours. You would think it would be the same, but it's not. So like I said, you have an African hair salon, you have a black hair salon, and it's very different energies depending on who you are walking in, right? So there is a divide there when we're talking about African Americans and Juneteenth, for example. Um, there. Are, there is one um, take that I've actually asked like some people. Um, there's a girl that I used to go to elementary school with her. Um, I won't say her name for the record, but she is Lebanese. And there was another girl that I went to elementary school with and she was Egyptian. And I've asked them as I've like, cause I've run into them being older. Um, and I've, so we're able to have these conversations. So how do you feel being African and in like spaces where there's primarily black people, right? Of course, they experience a different sense of colorism and racism, you know, with people calling them names, black people calling them names, right? Things that we would already get called ourselves. We're going to start calling them those names, right? It's also... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's a good point. And I think one of the small little offshoots of that that should be pointed out is you can be African and not black. Yes. You know, there's diversity. Even in Africa, there's diversity. Granted, some of it can be due to colonial past, like South Africa and Namibia. But then, like, North Africa, you have Egypt, Algeria, Libya, like, all the, all the like, African non-black communities. And then there's also the idea of, like, like you are saying, like, with South Africa... There are people who, again, are African and not black, and then they're criticized for being not black, right? So, again, this is, this is the fact that, like, there's a lot that people within the black community don't know and don't understand that I think pours over, right? So they are not, like, just no, and especially because a lot of that is, again, connected to the racism and the prejudice that they've experienced here in America and what they know about the history of being black in America. And like, for example, let's talk, let's, let's talk about slavery. There are some people in the African community that look down on people in the black community because of slavery. 
right now i'm not saying this is a large like thing that i'm not saying every person in the african community but this is something that i have seen happen here like be talked about here and there so for example um we'll talk about my friend who i say is lebanese while she is not one of those people obviously her grandma is she looks down on black people because of slavery not because they, it, there was something they could control but the idea that like is if it's kind of like oh couldn't be me and it wasn't right like it was just like that's what it really like that's what it kind of feels like when you talk to her about these type of things like that's on them right they they, whoever their ancestors are should be ashamed of themselves of allowing themselves to even get put in that situation it couldn't have been me and it wasn't it wasn't my ancestors that was your ancestors sorry right they are they don't have a reason to be mad about it because it wasn't their ancestors that was enslaved it's ours like the anyone who is a black american their family is the ones who were enslaved and stayed here and right some people were like why didn't they leave what do you mean why didn't they leave there, there was enough generations that went past some of them probably could have some most of them probably there, there were some that did return but then they faced a whole different slew of issues of returning to your native country and some of them were just dropped off anywhere they weren't even brought back to their village Yep, right. let's, uh, let's bring in the American colony of, uh, was it Liberia, where we just said, eh, they're all from this, you know, continent. I'm sure we just <laughs> dropped them off in this one little corner we bought. <laughs> they're yeah. fine. And then there's also people in the black community where if when they start finding out the truth about certain stuff, um, one example being Zora Neale Hurston, when she wrote um, The Last Black Cargo, I believe was the title. And when people started to find out about like what happened, like how some people actually came to be in slavery, you have black people who are mad at people who are like of direct African consent, um, descent, I said consent, of dis- um, direct African descent because of the fact that it was other people in their own villages or in rival villages that were selling them out. Like, oh, hey, we, we don't like these people anyway. So let me tell you how you can go catch a couple of them real quick. Okay, so because you're helping us out by getting rid of them, right? And then there's people like, so, and again, it's not because like, oh, you are responsible. It's just, that's what you're correlating it with. And so there's some of this like very like, I say colorism because again, the idea is that you would be both of like a dark skin color. So you would think there's this unity, but there isn't because by all technicality, we are two different races. You are African or African-American. I am black or black American. and there's all these different controversies and opinions about what happened to who and how you should have reacted and how we should treat each other now. And again, it's like, it's just so confusing. (laughs) It really is. Cause I sit here and I'm just like, you would think that we would all get along because as long as we're here in this country, they're all going to treat us the same. So no, but this is why I'm glad we brought you on and why I'm really glad you agreed to come on was because you're able to provide these perspectives that myself or Colum, I'm, I, I guess I'm speaking for both of us. Correct me if I'm no. speaking out of turn, but like, we don't know this. We don't have that firsthand experience with that cultural and racial divide within that community. And unfortunately, whether for, well, it's for worse, let's be honest here, but you get lumped in into that same group and there are those divides and, you know, you look at white people and people don't, just throw us all in one basket they go oh are you european are you this are you that which sub race you know they identify as oh i'm i'm irish the canadians 
makes uh, my blood shiver. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and Nikita, uh, just to demonstrate a bit of a point uh, that you uh, that you jump through, uh, like it is generally a minority uh, of the uh, uh, African people who look down on the black people for getting transported. Uh, right, and again, they, uh, it's older generations. Yeah. Like again, I said her older, grandma, not yeah. like her mom yeah. or auntie or something. And uh, there is a there's a pretty good example uh, in uh, Senegal, I believe, of uh, of people taking the opposite viewpoint from uh, your friend's grandmother. Uh, there is a uh, museum uh, that houses a thing called the Door of No Return, and it is a monument, uh, sort of acknowledging all the people that passed through uh, Senegal on their way to slavery in the Americas, and it was it's a very heartfelt monument and a very heartfelt museum sort of acknowledging the horror that took place in Africa and acknowledging that black people and, uh, you know, black people and African-Americans were once, uh, a great many of them were once Africans themselves. Exactly. And, and, thus, like I said, and that, <laughs> that them being sent off into slavery is the loss of these countries and is something to be sad about and shameful that is the loss that they experienced of all these people being forcibly transported. And and so I think that's a very nice, uh, nice touch. Yeah. And again, it's the idea that like, I'm not saying everybody's just like, you know, that couldn't have happened to me, but I feel like it is the fact that there is that minority where depending on who they're descended from or like how long, how many generations of their family was probably here in America, how much do they identify with, you know, the past that is slavery? And for some where they don't, they might either show sympathy, but like they don't really feel what we feel with that, I that idea of like lost culture. Right. And so I do love the fact that like, it's not like, the, I do love the fact that there are those who acknowledge the fact that this is something that happened. Cause at the end of the day that happened where they live, right. Mm -hmm. That these people were taken from these places um, and of course they would acknowledge that. So it is sad that there are those who probably like, like kind of push it as far away from themselves, but I'm sure there's a lot of other reasons that connect back to that too. Probably them feeling pressure to also have to like assimilate being here, right? If they see that like not enough people, like, oh, it is a trend that there are people who do not care about slavery except for the black community. And in order to separate myself from this and in order to like, not be a part of the idea of the black community i will now separate myself from the idea of slavery like oh well that's not something that has anything to do with me right so like that's just not and that's just a hypothesis i'm not saying that that's like what's really going on but that could be one of the explanations as to why someone who is um african-american or of african descent would also disconnect themselves from the narratives of slavery but I mean, you, you hear that across the board. Um, I mean, similar narratives came out of Europe post-World War II of villages that may not have directly collabor collaborated with um, the deportation committees, but that just were by the sidelines. And a lot of those villages felt immense guilt about it because their inaction led to thousands of people dying hundreds of millions of people being displaced like it was just nothing but awful things that came of it so it's kind of interesting to see how that i don't want to say survivor's guilt but how that mindset can change and morph over time 
And again, it's changing now. Like you said, your friend's grandma held that specific view. And now that sentiment is beginning to change. And I think, I think at the end of the day, it all, it all boils down to just knowing how much, you know, how much you can empathize. I think the more, you know, the more you empathize because you start understanding the plight, you start understanding the roadblocks, the issues. And I think this is why holidays like Juneteenth to bring it full circle are really important because it brings up these discussions. It brings up these dialogues. We're able to have these conversations because this is now a thing. Mm. But I will say though, even with all of that, I don't think enough people are going to be willing to challenge the status quo right away with Juneteenth. Um, we've, you know, as a community have been so assimilated to just celebrate July 4th because you're American, right? Because like, that's the idea. Like you have to like identify as being a proud American. So that's going to be July 4th is your day. Um, and this is also, I was like, yeah, maybe don't tack on Juneteenth with July 4th. Do not do that. Cause then it really <laughs> does feel like you're just making us, celebrated anyways but still um and even now like i say like if i was going to ask my dad's side about it they'll probably celebrate juneteenth and july 4th i don't think they would ever stop celebrating july 4th um i think they won't give much thought to it to blow things up right like i don't think they're going to give much thought to it or anything like that we're not going to be flying a bunch of american flags or anything but i think yeah it's still a day to you know blow up some stuff shoot off some fireworks cook up you know fire up the grill um, people are still going to wear American flag themed clothes because that is like, it's, it's the idea of routine, right? It's very hard to just break a routine all of a sudden, unless you stay committed to trying to break it. And the same thing. So like, like I said, like on my mom's side, they don't really know about this holiday or they probably do. And they're, but they're just going to say they're celebrating it because, you know, that's what we do when we like find something new we latch on without the commitment <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh we're celebrating juneteenth and it's just we're just gonna do the exact same thing that we do on fourth of july fire up the grill and like i don't think we're gonna really be trying to stay true to the tradition of the holiday um and i think like for a lot of my family if i was to say hey we should start celebrating juneteenth and not july 4th and here's why will they acknowledge the impact of the history behind it yes would they actually listen to me and stop celebrating July 4th? No. Why? They don't want questions. They've already been doing it this way for a while. There's no reason to change. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So that's kind of like what I would be kind of sad about. Like even myself, am I going to not celebrate July 4th? No, because there's too many people who would celebrate July 4th. It's going to, that's, that's difficult to do to go against. Sorry, I don't want to come to your barbecue because that's not my holiday. Like that feels, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be that person. Would you celebrate both holidays? Probably. Um, the same way that there are some people who celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas. Not because they want to, but because they kind of feel forced to. Yeah, and it is, it is kind of, I think, uh, sad a little bit that there is that distinction and, you know, that, you know, you know, people feel that need for that division of, you know, July 4th and Juneteenth of like, no, you know, no, no July 4th, you know, because it's, you know, it's bad like that because July 4th is the holiday for America and America exactly. is a, it's very sad. That, and and, and, and it's very, and it, yeah, and it, it's very, it's just very sad that like we haven't fit you know fix society enough 
where people can where, where people feel like it you know like they can be proud to be american and proud to be an ethnic minority <laughs> like that is that is actually kind of a dystopian hellscape the more you think about it <laughs> that that is the country um however the way that i will be taking part in juneteenth is um our local community will be actually having a um, Juneteenth celebration at Miller Park. Um, it's going to be a bunch of like vendors and organizers and organizations and charities and activities. I have signed up to, uh, to be a performer. I was going to do slam poetry talking about, <laughs> you know, just like heritage and being black in America. Um, you know, identification, representation, things of that sort. And I'm also signed up to be a volunteer for some of the children activities there as well, um, where they're going to be teaching about Juneteenth and some of the history behind it and some activities and stuff just for them to do as well. The only downside to this event is that it's a bring your own chair event. (laughs) (laughs) The only uh... downside. But uh, I think that's actually probably a perfect point to wrap this all up then. Because I think we covered the holiday quite well and we got to talk into some of the nuances and some of the cultural divides between it. And, uh, uh, and for the people listening, la- uh, last thing real quick. Uh, Nikita, would you like to tell people where Miller Park is and what town so that uh, they know if they hear this and want to come? <laughs> oh, Miller yes. Park is in Bloomington Normal, Bloomington side, obviously. Um, please do come through if you live near or are in Bloomington Normal. Type in Miller Park into your, you know, little phone, little cellular device as I pull out the exact yep. date now. Yep. Yep. Your mobile communications device. Oh, <laughs> we no. are not robot aliens from the future. Not at all. Uh, Saturday, June 18th, the day before the actual holiday at 12 noon until 6 p.m. at 1020 South Morris, with two R's, Avenue in Bloomington, Illinois. It is free. You don't have to pay. Godspeed on finding parking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Even in a city that's not Chicago, very hard to find parking. And... uh... That being said, I want to thank you for being our first guest speaker. And uh, if you have anything you want to shout out besides the event, feel free. Like if you have a social media account, if you want people to follow you. Just say whatever's in your heart, Nikita. Yeah. No pressure. My Instagram is living, L-I-V-I-N, dead, D-A-E-D, girl, G-U-R-L, 1369, it is going to be a picture of my lovely self and you will see that I have all of my credentials right there. Graduated from ISU with these two. Uh, um, I am an actress. I am a poet. Um, that is part of the reason I will be performing at our Juneteenth celebration. Um, and I actually am currently working on a couple of projects. Um, that I'm excited about. So if you do follow me, stay tuned and you'll find out what those are. I don't want to give it away right now. Yes, leave <laughs> gotta, the gotta suspense. Gotta keep the good vibes. Gotta keep the good yep. vibes. So go give her a follow, check her out. And if you guys enjoyed listening to the podcast, 
Be sure to drop a like down below, subscribe, follow us on whatever platform you're listening to, and we will catch you guys in two weeks with our... Oh, Colm has something to say. Yeah, just yeah, the coming. Yeah, I was, I was going to jump in on the come on the coming up schedule here. Yes. Uh, so coming up for you, uh, j- dropping just two days before Juneteenth, H.H. Uh, H. Reeds will be uh, performing "Their Eyes Were Watching God" by Zora Neale Hurston, a uh, African American anthropologist. Love that book and so author. Much. Yeah, uh, yeah, you'll get to watch me. Uh, Read that in my horrible voice. Uh, that is uh, the voice in which I speak at all times. Uh, followed by Call of the Wild a week later. And uh, the next time we'll be seeing you on this podcast uh, will be for uh, our Pride Month special with Sappho of Lesbos, the world's first uh, lesbian, according to history. <laughs> and uh, keeping the trend of the guest speakers continuing nikita here will be joining us for that one as well so we're gonna have just a month of nikita yeah. as our representative in both communities i am like <laughs> and i am gay this is my month this is my month yeah all right just, and just appear before a corporation and shout fear me <laughs> <laughs> governments fear me corporations want to be me i am black i am gay and i am female fear me <laughs>